Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Andrew, and welcome to another episode of Scary Mysteries, where today we're going to explore the question, is there life after death? Near-death experiences don't happen often, but when they do, they can turn the most staunch atheists into believers. And whether you believe in NDEs or not, for the individuals we're looking at today, these experiences change them forever. Here are five gripping near-death experiences. Number five, Dr. Eben Alexander. Dr. Eben Alexander was not your average believer in the supernatural. As a trained neurosurgeon, he relied on empirical data, believing that near-death experiences were simply fantasies produced by the brain under duress. That it was chemicals your brain released in order to help ease the pain of dying and nothing more than that. However, in 2008... His entire worldview on everything would shift dramatically. Living in North Carolina, Dr. Alexander was struck by a severe headache one day and decided to take the day off from work. As the pain grew, he then found himself convulsing in his bed, his eyes rolling back in his head, at which point his wife, who was terrified, called an ambulance. At the hospital, it was discovered that the doctor had contracted a rare bacteria that caused swelling in his brain. His condition was severe, and the doctors had no choice but to induce a coma. For seven days then, Dr. Alexander's brain function ceased. He was kept alive only by machines until, without warning, his eyes flickered open. He returned from the brink, and he brought back a story that was nothing short of incredible. The doctor chronicled his experiences in a book titled Proof of Heaven, and in it, he described being submerged in a jello-like substance in a realm where he had no memories and no sense of self. Though it may sound scary, he claimed the opposite, saying it felt very natural, peaceful even. His journey continued through a gate towards a bright orb filled with light and heavenly music, something he later called the spinning melody. The orb then absorbed him. He found himself in a land that can only be described as paradise. And there, waterfalls flowed into crystal pools. Trees reached up to the sky and people in peasant clothing danced to an ethereal symphony. Perhaps the most extraordinary part was when he claimed to have ridden on the wings of a butterfly with a woman who communicated telepathically, assuring him that he was loved and cherished. But just as suddenly as this journey began and ended, Dr. Alexander woke up in his hospital bed, leaving the wonderful paradise behind. Interestingly, after that he experienced what's known as ICU psychosis, wherein a patient is plagued by nightmares and hallucinations, almost as if the brain needed to balance out the feeling of euphoria and bring him back to the level playing field of life as we all know it. 
Despite the initial trauma of that, Dr. Alexander recovered and began to share his extraordinary story. Because he believes his experience was not a hallucination at all, but a real vision of heaven, calling it the greatest blessing of his life. Dr. Eben Alexander's case remains one of the most fascinating and contested accounts of NDEs. Whether you believe it to be a medical anomaly, a spiritual revelation, or simply the brain's response to trauma, one thing is for sure. It's a story that challenges our understandings of life, death, and what might lie beyond. Number 4. Pam Reynolds In the world of music, Pam Reynolds was a well-known figure. As a producer for Southern Tracks, she had the pleasure of working with some of the industry's most iconic names like Bruce Springsteen, Pearl Jam, and R.E.M. But despite her successful career, it was not her musical endeavors that would thrust her into the global spotlight, but rather a remarkable experience where she transcended the border between life and death and returned with a story that was otherworldly. On a hot day in August of 1991, Pam was down in Virginia Beach, Virginia, working on a promotional music campaign when suddenly she found herself unable to speak. It was terrifying for her, but after a quick MRI scan, doctors discovered the cause, a leaking aneurysm located right on her brainstem. And it was a situation that could cost her her life if not treated immediately. She headed to Atlanta, where they had the ability to help her, and there she was advised to undergo a risky procedure known as a cardiac standstill surgery. It alone is insane that this is even a thing that can be done, as it involved inducing a state of clinical death, draining all the blood from her brain to allow surgeons to repair the aneurysm without causing further damage. Well, she didn't have much of a choice, and so she moved forward with the surgery, it was during this period of clinical death where Pam claimed to have had an out-of-body experience. She described floating above her body, looking down at the 20 doctors and nurses huddled around her on the operating table, and hearing the distinctive sound of surgical drills and other instruments, as well as the doctors' conversations, all while the Eagles, Hotel California, played in the background. Given the difficulty of her situation, the surgeons decided to further lower her body temperature. It was at this time that she began to see a tunnel, and at the end of it, a bright light. She described encountering her deceased relatives, including her grandmother and uncle. In this meeting, she claimed, filled her with a sense of peace, making her reluctant to return to her body. However, her uncle reminded her that she had to go back, and according to Pam... He ultimately was the one who pushed her back into her body. Upon being brought back to life after a successful surgery, she began sharing her experience, but of course, many were skeptical. Her account, however, caught the attention of a medical researcher studying NDEs at the time, and together, they cross-referenced her account with medical records and discovered some astonishing and undeniable correlations. Thing she could not have known under our current understandings of science as her body was on that table, not only unconscious, but clinically dead. They discovered that there were indeed 20 medical personnel in that room, not 19 or 21, but 20, just as she had stated. 
The Eagles Hotel California was playing during the surgery, as was confirmed by the doctors. She also described some of the tools she saw the surgeons using. A small saw, for example, which looked like an electrical toothbrush. An item that only someone familiar with surgery would know about. These surprising consistencies intrigued the medical community and gave further credence to the possibility of life after death among believers. Pam Reynolds's near-death experience remains one of the most documented and scrutinized accounts of its kind, and her story has added fuel to the ongoing debate about the nature of consciousness and the existence of an afterlife. Whether a believer or skeptic, you can't deny the intrigue that such stories present. After all, even if someone would go on and make up a story like this, how could Pam have known all those details about what was going on in the operating room when she was lying unconscious. Number 3. Jane Smith Jane Smith was a woman who had a near-death experience long before this thing even had a name. For years, she had kept her story all to herself out of fear of ridicule, but over time, as more people came forward, she decided to let the world know about it. This all started back in 1952 when Smith was having a hard time during her labor with her second child. To abate her agony, she was given what is now considered an archaic medical device called a trilene mask. This instrument was made specifically to ease labor pain. Doctors would put the instrument over the patient's nose, allowing them to breathe in a mixture of gases. And then within a few seconds, the woman would lose consciousness. What happened here, though, in Jane's case, was she inhaled a bit more than what was prescribed. She essentially overdosed on the anesthetic right then and there, and thus went into cardiac arrest. An emergency resuscitation was immediately done, and it was during this time that she had her out-of-body experience. In a later interview, a retired teacher from Philadelphia revealed that she could feel herself rising up and out of her body. At first, all she could see was darkness, but as her ascent continued, she then found herself standing in the middle of a gray mist. It was at this point that she says she realized she had died. However, instead of panic, she was overcome with a feeling of bliss. In her own words, she said, I remember joy pouring out of my being. While this was occurring, the gray mist dissipated and her surroundings flooded with brilliant white light. The immensity of this wonderful feeling was almost too much for Jane, who then later on noticed that she journeyed into some sort of exquisite meadow that had colors that she had never seen before. Looking over the expansive field, she saw some figures to whom she interacted and communicated with, albeit telepathically. The wondrous experience continued up to a point that she began to realize the feeling of being an eternal Someone who was indestructible because they were a part of everything. She felt as though she was now something that had always existed and always will. In that realm, she also conversed with a being whom she asked about the meaning of life. She never got that answer, but it was worth a try. She was told by this person, though, that the knowledge would be too much for her to carry. Eventually, she woke up to find a doctor bringing her back to life. She recovered and her baby was safely delivered as well, but 
the secret of her NDE she chose to keep for more than 25 years. It was only through time when Smith discovered that she wasn't alone with this type of experience that she finally opened up about her incredible journey to the other side and back. She never tried to make money off her tale, but figured if there were others like her who were reluctant, maybe now they'd come forward too. Number two, Bubba Bay. Bubba Bay's life was riddled with tragedy. His second son, James, was born prematurely and barely lived for 10 days. His firstborn, Robert, died at 18 due to kidney disease. The grief cast a dark cloud over him and his wife, and ultimately, it was too much for them to overcome, and they ended up getting a divorce. It was in 2009 in upstate New York, and a landscaper by profession, Bubba, liked the outdoors and made it a habit to stroll around at night after dinner to get some fresh air. This was just another evening stroll for him. It was a cold, moonless night, and the only light illuminating his way was from the streetlights, or at least a few of them, because most were not working. His feet eventually brought him to a wooded area of town. He had gone further than normal, and realizing the distance he traveled, decided to go back home. That's when he saw headlights coming towards him fast down the road. In his attempt to dodge the oncoming car, he backed up and ended up stumbling off the side of the road. It was essentially a 20-foot drop down a rocky ravine. He went head first, and on the way down, heard his ribs cracking, his spine twisting, and then he lost consciousness. When he woke up, he was struggling to move, but inch by inch, he made his way towards an embankment closer to the road. He felt his life slipping away, and his hope at this point was simply that someone would find his body. Just as he was about to close his eyes for good, he witnessed the darkness that was enveloping him starting to turn to light. As he was processing what was happening, the brightness further intensified. He felt as though he was being brought back to the time when he was a child, a time when he was still living with his loving parents. The light, meanwhile, grew brighter, and in front of him a log, which he clung to. A man then began walking towards him, and the figure stopped just feet away from him. This person's presence affected him greatly, and seemed to take away all his pain. Behind the stranger, he saw two children tagging along with him, one a teenager, the other a very small baby. It was then that Bubba realized that They were his sons who had passed away, James and Robert. He was elated to see them again and wanted to be with them, but a disembodied voice was telling him that it wasn't his time. Much like the telepathy communication from other NDE stories, this one further explained that there were things left for him to do in his life. But his sons, together with the figure, gave Bubba a feeling of indiscernible peace. He wanted to linger in that wondrous moment, but the light soon began to fade. The figure receded and his sons with him. And soon, the darkness returned, and with it, the agonizing pain in his body. The fact that he was able to make his way to a nearby residence was a miracle in and of itself. And it was here that Bubba asked for help. The next thing he remembers is waking up in a hospital bed. He had been there, in a coma, 
for seven straight days. He incurred severe injuries that included a broken skull, dislocated shoulder blade, a shattered spine, and multiple broken ribs. One of the first people to visit him was his brother, whom he told about his NDE, the darkness, the light, the figure, his sons, and the log. His words, though, were dismissed as pure hallucinations. So what do you think? Did Bubba experience a taste of the afterlife? Something every single culture and religion talks about but can't prove? Or was it more of a dream? Just a function of our brain protecting ourselves from the pain of death? Number 1. Luca Salaveras The tale we're about to unfold is one that sounds like it's been extracted from the realms of fiction, yet it's a tale that is all too real and all too inexplicable. It's the story of a young boy named Luca and his startling revelations that left his family and anyone who hears his story shocked and bewildered. It was the final days of summer in 2012 when the Salaveras family decided to enjoy the dwindling warmth of the season outdoors. The children, including five-year-old Luca, were occupied with their colorful chalks, their artistic minds turning their driveway into a canvas of youthful creativity. Suddenly, Luca yelled out to his mother to observe his latest masterpiece, a striking rendition of Mario from the Nintendo game. The boy's focus and the character's red cap led to an unexpected revelation that would forever change the Salaveras' family's perception of their youngest child. Red is a nice, hot color, Luca casually remarked. Fire is red. Do you remember when I was in the hospital and I was on fire? The words hung in the air, their chilling implications not making sense to the parents. How could their son, still so young, recall an event that occurred when he was merely a few weeks old? To understand the gravity of Lucas' statement, we need to travel back to 2007. Barely a month after his birth, Luca was admitted to the hospital with an unexplained, dangerously high fever. His worried parents practically lived in the hospital room, unable to find solace until their baby was safe and healthy. One night... The tranquility of a lullaby was shattered by the erratic beeping of Luca's monitor. The room was immediately flooded with medical personnel. The parents were forced to watch helplessly through a glass window as a ventilator tube was inserted down their baby's throat. The memory of the traumatic experience was one that Luca's parents had tried to bury deep within, only for it to be unearthed by the uncanny recollection of their son five years later. As the shock subsided, curiosity compelled Mr. Salaveras to probe deeper. What Luca divulged next was even more astounding. He described the sensation of soaring above his own body, observing the frantic doctors and nurses trying to save his life. He recalled watching his family outside of the room, their faces etched with worry, praying fervently for his recovery. The Salaveras' parents were at a loss for words now. Their son, still engrossed in his chalk art, had seemingly experienced something far beyond his tender years, a near-death experience. 
As they grapple with this newfound knowledge, they couldn't deny that their young child had touched the fringe of the afterlife and returned with memories that defied logic and understanding. The tale of Luca remains a chilling mystery. His story a testament to the unexplainable phenomena that continue to perplex us, and a reminder that sometimes the most profound truths come from the most innocent of mouths. Like many mysteries we have encountered, this story leaves us with more questions than answers, and it challenges our understanding of life, death, and what might lie beyond. All these stories today have so many similarities. Bright lights, floating, seeing dead relatives and figures, peacefulness, telepathy, and more. And if you open your mind and really think about it, can't there be things in this world, and perhaps another, that truly exist and yet do not have any explanation or scientific proof. So there were five gripping near-death experiences. If you're craving for more true crime podcasts from us, remember to check out our Everytown podcast because Everytown has a dark side. You can also watch all these videos on our Scary Mysteries YouTube channel and for exclusive content, go check out our Patreon page. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe out there. I'll see you guys in the next one.